Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quick Question Podcast. My name is Gabe Bryan, alongside my co-host, Mr. Matthew Shafty. Hello. Thank you guys for tuning in today on this week's episode of the Quick Question Podcast. If you have listened to recent episodes, Matt and I have diverged from Major League Baseball talk to start um, the conversation around the NFL. Um, I think we have three episodes out so far, if I'm thinking Mm -hmm. correctly. Um, So essentially for those episodes, we've picked four teams per episode just at random and kind of given a preview as to what the team's looking like going into the season. We didn't do anything with predictions or anything like that, but just kind of an overview of the roster, where they're strong, where they're weak, and maybe some interesting um, off-season moves or storylines around those teams. So those episodes will continue to come out until the beginning of the season. Um, actually, the first preseason game is tonight, at least for my hometown, Cincinnati Bengals. And we're recording this on Friday, August 11th. So football is officially back. Um, I think there was, was there a preseason game last night with the Texans and Patriots? Yes. I think there was. Yes, there was Texans Patriots okay. last night. And then there was uh Viking Seahawks as well. Cool. So yeah, preseason football is here. So we're only about a month away from the season, which is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a month from, well, if you're not counting the um, first game of the season between the Lions and the Chiefs, yesterday would have been a month from the first Sunday of the NFL season. Um, but anyways, we're going to go back to talking about baseball this week. Um, one, because it's been a while. And two, um, there's some decently interesting storylines around Major League Baseball, especially in the past few weeks. Um we're like I said, we're in mid-August, so the playoff hunt is really coming in to swing. Some teams that have been leading their division have been fighting for the first spot in their division for the last couple of months. Some of these teams have started to trail off, especially in the National League, which is ending up in a very, very competitive playoff race as we near the end of September and the end of the regular season, most notably in the National League. But we're going to get to that in a second. And if any of you guys have social media, whether that be Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, I am sure that you have seen a video of something that went down last weekend between the White Sox and the Cleveland Guardians. And we're actually going to play a clip from that. So here is Tom Hamilton, the voice of the Cleveland Guardians. And after this, Matt and I are kind of react to what went down in Believe Land. Gummer Kopech. Here it comes. A swing and a smash to first by the diving Vaughn. Down the right field line. Kicks into the corner. Ramirez on his way to second. Head first slide. Safe and in to score is Jimenez. And another hustle double. Right over the bag at first. Now Hosey and Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Ramirez went in with a head first slide. Hosey never gets upset about anything. They came up chewing. Anderson squared off. Hosey decked him. So that was Tom Hamilton of the Cleveland Guardians, the radio voice of the Cleveland Guardians, kind of describing um, a fight between Tim Anderson, the shortstop for the Chicago White Sox, and obviously the highly decorated 
Jose Ramirez, third baseman for the Cleveland Guardians. If you guys have not seen this clip, one, I would advise going on YouTube and punching it up. But in baseball especially is one of those sports where you get brawls every once in a while. Just It's such a long season. People get ticked off with each other. It's just one of those things that eventually is going to spill over at some point. Um, but a lot of times in baseball, you get a lot of shouting matches. You get a lot of pushing and shoving. But very rarely do you have two guys literally throw their gloves on the ground and put their fists up like they're about to street fight. And uh, Tim Anderson came out aggressive. He's the first one that dropped his glove, got into his stance, and he threw three punches. All of them did not land. And Jose Ramirez, while he was being held back by another White Sox player, threw an insane right hook and smoked Tim Anderson in the left jaw. Um, This is an unbelievable showing of athleticism. Uh, I think Tom Hamilton in the following days referred to Jose Ramirez as having his sixth tool as a player. A lot of times you hear in baseball uh, prospects come up, they have five tools, and it's very rare to have a player like that. And I I think fighting could be Jose Ramirez's sixth tool. Um, But anyways, Matt, I'm sure you've seen this clip a 100,000 times. I couldn't stop listening to that call. Down goes Anderson. It was awesome. Um, So what were your takeaways from that fight? Because that that hits home with you. It's the American League Central. Uh, Two teams duking it out. Maybe not the greatest division in baseball, but at least for this past weekend, very entertaining. It's the most entertaining thing that's happened, like the the division this year. <laughs> like, quite honestly, that, that sadly is the truth. Um, I, I mean, I saw it. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've seen fights in baseballs, like like a lot of them. Uh, thinking like Bautista and um, who was it? Rune who was the other Odor. guy? Odor. That's right, Odor. Those two. Um, very similar to that, where one guy took the brunt force clock to the head. Um, but, you know, I've seen bigger fights, bigger brawls. Uh, but in, I don't know, if, if we if we think about how bad the AL Central has been, I mean, it it's, this is the best it's going to get, is a, a fight that lasted three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, there's I, your most entertaining baseball. And trading away pieces as well. <laughs> For sure. And um, obviously, like we mentioned before, first, a disclaimer. I don't want to make this sound like Shafty and I condone violence in any form or fashion, especially in baseball. But sometimes you have guys, I think Ter- Terry Francona after the game said it the best, boys will be boys, and they will mm-hmm. fight. And sometimes it's not pretty but it's just kind of one of those things that happen. I think one of the more interesting things that comes out of this is Jose Ramirez is one of the most, like if you've never seen him play, he's one of the guys around major league baseball that kind of unanimously is one of the fan favorites. Like even Mm -hmm. if you're not a fan of the guardians, you love watching Jose Ramirez play. He plays extremely hard. He plays every day. He actually took a pretty significant pay cut, even to stay with the guardians in the off season so he signed an extension. Um, so definitely a guy of really high character. Um, but he also has some flair. He has some personality to him, the way he plays. But Tim Anderson, since he's come into the league, has definitely been one that has ruffled some feathers. Um, 
just with some of his antics. And he's not a bad player by any means. This year, he's having a very, very, very tough go of it. He's hitting below 200. I think he only has two home runs on the season so far. So definitely a lot different than the all-star caliber player that he has shown in years past. But um, to hear Jose Ramirez after the game say that he is disrespecting the game or Tim Anderson is disrespecting the game, he's disrespecting how hard it is to compete every day, just doing little things like that. Obviously, the Guardians and the White Sox are two pretty bitter um, American League Central rivals, and they've been at the top of the division the past couple years battling it out for the playoffs. But there's not, I feel like in today's day and age where you can get away with being yourself a little bit more in baseball and you're not going to get thrown at. Now, that's not the case everywhere. Um, But I think it's been more rare the past couple years to hear a player get called out for not respecting the game and Mm -hmm. for not um, being courteous to those around them, not competing in a way that's honorable, I guess. Um, But, Shafty, I know you followed this division a lot closer than I have just because of your Tigers. Is this something that speaks more to the character of maybe Tim Anderson or what, what are you more shocked of? Um, I'm not, I I would say it speaks more to the character of Anderson, right? I mean, we've seen it for years. Um, He's had his antics and yeah, he's, he was able to back it up for a while, right? He could, he can, you know, trash talk. I remember when, when they had the field of dreams game and that was an awesome game between the Yankees and white Sox and Anderson, you know, had a few words to say here and there, but you know, this season has been a tough year for him and the White Sox, and you can see the frustration with a lot of players in that team. Um, who was it? Eloy Jimenez in center field. Um, what was it? One of the one of the walk-offs they had after the All-Star break, he didn't even chase after. He just let it fly over his head. <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, if you're a fan of the White Sox, you have to be pretty, you know, bitter about that. Guys who aren't giving it their all every day, guys who don't care to play in a White Sox uniform that are still in a White Sox uniform. Um, you know, honestly, at this point, you, you got to make changes to the roster. You've got to move on some, from some guys, um, and they should have done it at the trade deadline. They should have pushed harder to make those changes. And quite honestly, uh, it's not a good thing for this organization to keep guys around who are going to – make the the climate worse so that's not what you want to see but it definitely the fight has to go along with the antics of of him himself tim anderson yeah and not the rest of the division no yeah it Uh. is a rivalry i understand that and the game can get frustrating but at some points you've just got to move on yeah i i feel like in a lot of ways, what happened between Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson has kind of just been a microcosm of what's happened with the White Sox this season. White Sox yep. coming into the season, never, not necessarily like a team that doesn't have talent, a team that had been in the playoffs in recent years, um, but the whole culture thing, especially not only Tim Anderson, but some of these um, pitchers that have moved on since and kind of speaking to the media, maybe – um, a little bit um, from the, from the standpoint of not, I feel like when you're a player, let me see if I can get back on track. When you're a player, 
and you're a part of a team, a lot of stuff that happens in the locker room and within, with your own teammates stays in the locker room and it's kind of just one of those unwritten things that doesn't go, isn't necessarily said out loud, but it's understood by everyone. But when you have people that go out of their way to kind of tell on people, especially after they're removed from the situation, it's not the greatest look of all time. Um, but the White Sox manager, Pedro Grafal, and their general manager, Rick Hahn, have had some very interesting um, comments in the past week about their team culture and just they don't have a leader in the clubhouse. Just it's not a great time to be a White Sox fan, I guess is the um, essence of what I'm trying to say. But hopefully at some point for the White Sox fans, um, some semblance of leadership can be worked out um, and they can kind of get back to winning ways I know it's been a rough few years and a rough stretch for White Sox fans. It's been a while, um, but I don't really think they're too far away from being a legitimate playoff contender. They just need the right pieces um, a part of their team. I think half of me agrees in a way where they still have talent on the roster. Um, But again, if no one – and we don't know the reason. We don't know the true reason why – people aren't playing their hardest and, and, you know, the culture and, and the climate in the locker room is shaky at, at best. Um, if that continues on into, into seasons, you know, later, they're not, they're not going to compete. They're just no. not going to compete. I don't care who you have in there. You could sign Shoei Otani. <laughs> no way. No. You, you, there's, you can't compete with that kind of locker room. You need guys that, that can, work as a team, as a group, as a unit. And if you can't get that and you hear people complaining about it inside the locker room and fans complaining about it, media complaining about it, there's going to be so much pressure and so much weight on each individual that there's no possible way that they could make the playoffs. No. Um, but I've seen this before with my own teams, especially with the Pistons. Um, I remember after they traded for Blake Griffin, things were going really well, it seemed like. Um, and for some reason, Blake Griffin's third year, we don't really have a great reason as to why, but no one wanted to be there. Everyone wanted to leave. And it, I think it had something to do with the locker room situation. I mean, Reggie Jackson wanted out. Andre Drummond wanted out. Um, Blake Griffin wanted out. There are a bunch of guys who wanted to go. They just could not stand playing in Detroit, staying in Detroit. And Detroit had no choice but to deal them and rebuild. That's sadly what happened, and it it was a step back um, because we had already dealt draft picks for Blake Griffin. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we're sitting here now with Cade, uh, Jaden Ivey, and, and different guys, and you can see, you know, a turnaround. It takes years, but it will end up, you know, figuring itself out. But they've yeah. got to commit at this point to changing the culture. I think that is the biggest thing. Yeah, and obviously the biggest thing that stinks about this whole situation is the White Sox relationship with its fans and its supporters. It's obviously something like this, a season like this, can cause maybe some of those fair-weather fans or people that aren't as committed to the White Sox to be a little bit more distant moving forward, which is obviously tough for a team that's trying to go out there every single day and play to win. Um, but if a culture shift doesn't happen, then it could even be darker days for the White Sox, which is not what 
I would want for them or any major league baseball team for that matter, unless they're the Cardinals. I didn't, I didn't even mention the Lions. I mean, they that Patricia time was terrible. Yeah. Like that's Jim Schwartz era wasn't great. Jim Caldwell was was a lot better. Yeah. Um, but they still can win a playoff game. And then, you know, the the Patricia era was so, so, so <laughs> bad in Detroit. And the culture, same thing. The locker room wasn't connected. The culture was terrible. We traded for uh uh, Snacks Harrison, if you remember that name, Damon Harrison. And he was a very good player. He did not want to be in Detroit. He did not want to be there. They tried trading for Gronk. Um, Gronk said he was retired. It was like, <laughs> there's a funny video about that. He said, you can't trade me. I'm retired. And he stayed, he stayed in New England because he did not want to go over there. He yeah. did not want to play for Patricia. Yeah. So, you know, and you can see now there is a complete culture shift in Detroit and it's working. It's, it's, it's working itself out. It's doing pretty well so far so hopes are high <laughs> but um yeah the white Sox need to, to i think follow that mold in their own baseball farm system no salary cap way yeah well moving on a little bit speaking kind of to struggling franchises the baltimore orioles in the past 10 years have not been a very good franchise in major league baseball they have had a ton of losing seasons um maybe one of the worst teams in the league with fan attendance, fan engagement, all that sort of stuff. But this year, they have had a resurgence. I think you saw um, the beginnings of it last year with some of their mm -hmm. youth and young talent, whether it's Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, list goes on. But the Baltimore Orioles currently are 71-44. and 44. They're three games ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays atop the American League East, which is the toughest division in baseball. So that is mm -hmm. something... Orioles fans, Baltimore, the entire state of Maryland are super enthusiastic and um, very excited about, rightfully so. They have an unbelievable team, and I think even brighter days are ahead for them. Um, one thing that has happened in the past week that's kind of stained that mark of excellence this year and that mark of exuberance and excitement was something that happened to their TV play-by-play -play voice, Kevin Brown. Um, if you guys have not heard this story, I'm going to play an audio clip here in a second. But essentially, Kevin Brown, play-by-play uh, -play voice for the Orioles for the past few seasons, really, really good broadcaster, very entertaining. Um, during the open of the broadcast, and for those of you that don't know what the open is, it's basically the first two to three minutes of the broadcast right when um, the Orioles TV guys are to come on air and they set the scene for the game. They give you the storylines to follow. They show you the starter for the game. Basically set the scene. It's just laying the groundwork for the game. So during the Open against the Tampa Bay Rays three weeks ago, Kevin Brown was shown a graphic on the monitor and just was basically talking over it. And the essence of it was the Baltimore Orioles in recent years have played terrible against the Tampa Bay Rays, especially at Tropicana Field, which is where the game was being taken place. But the whole point of showing those statistics in the graphic was to show that what the Orioles are doing this year is really cool, and it should be enjoyed. People should be excited about it, and they're really turning the corner of a pretty tough past. So with that um, context being laid out, here is what Kevin Brown got suspended for indefinitely for saying on TV. 
Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in, but the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three, and they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th, 2017, the last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the Trop this year after winning three of 18 the previous three years combined. It is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad Rays team. It's not like all of a sudden the Rays uh, became slouches in the American League East. They've led this division every day, but now two, and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place. And that is all he said. That's all he said. And the Orioles management front office decided to suspend Kevin Brown indefinitely. Um, I'm pretty sure he's set to come back either tonight or sometime um, early next week. So the suspension is almost over. But it is insane to me that in today's world, obviously anyone, a lot of people say a lot of things that could be taken way out of context that um, is, I guess, quote unquote, cancel culture in some ways, but I'm not going to get into that. But anyways, People said a lot worse and have not been reprimanded for it, but for Kevin Brown to just kind of, he didn't say it with like any negativity or anything crazy, um, like any ill will, um, but he got suspended for it. And I'm just, every time I hear it and every time I understand what happened, it just continues to baffle me. Um, I, I, I really don't have any words for this. Um, Jeff, do you have any thoughts on the situation? No, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, he was he was doing his job. Yeah, he was doing his job. Yeah, and he did it completely fine. And he's getting suspended for it. Um, I mean, if he wants to join the Tigers play by play, <laughs> I'd be more than down. We have like just horrible play by play announcers. Uh, no disrespect, right? Their job is very difficult, but like, come on over. Anyway, um, it just it it doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense. I I don't. I'm kind of with you. I don't I don't really know what to say. I don't know how to, you know, pound or anything or say like be a devil's advocate. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I have no idea. So when this so clip- that that or- I feel so bad. Yeah, I, I feel awful for him. Um, when this clip first came across my Twitter feed, I think it was from Awful Announcing, which is kind of notorious for showing clips of broadcasters, maybe not at their greatest moments. Um, so I just assumed because of that that he had said something like terrible because there's not a lot of things as a play-by-play voice you can really get yourself in trouble for except for saying something like completely out of pocket. Um, and I listened to the whole thing. And I was just like, I was waiting and anticipating him to just drop something nuclear and nothing came. And I was just like, he got suspended for that? There's no way. And for those of you listening, I have worked the past couple years a lot in live production, especially with sports. So I have worked with TV trucks and all that sort of stuff. So 
if he's the one being punished for this, there are multiple other people that should be responsible for this, including the producer, the director, and the graphics operator. Because being in these meetings and a part of these things, the graphic that was displayed on the screen that he talked over is something that happens hours before the game starts. That's not something that he could have created in a minute. Like that's something that the graphics operator, the producer, the director, like everyone is on board with saying and creating. And this happens way before the TV, um, way before the broadcast actually shows up on TV. So he is definitely not acting alone in this. And it's just crazy that he's the only person that has to die on that sword. Um, And the Orioles really haven't said anything. Like no one's really given more to the story because I'm just wondering if something happened behind the scenes, something that no one knows about. Like that's the only justification for what Kevin Brown got. And like you mentioned before um, about other teams, if they're trying to get rid of them, there's 29 other Major League Baseball teams that would be willing to have a Kevin Brown as a part of their broadcast team. He's a very good broadcaster. Um, So this is, again, the unfortunate part about all this is it's happening during the best Orioles season since 2014, nine years ago. Um, So I don't really know what else to say other than um, free Kevin Brown. And he, he's a very good broadcaster, deserves to be on the air. And the Orioles, I don't even know what to say. Like, you completely dropped the bag with this. Um, and there's there's, nothing we I, Have they released a statement? No. No? Okay. I mean, they released, wow. they said, uh, we don't like to discuss employee, I don't know, the status of our employees or something like that. But <laughs> he will be back in the broadcast booth soon. It's like, uh, as an ownership, are you that thin-skinned? Like, oh, my God, he said something that might be bad. So we're going to suspend him. The only the only angle I can think of this, which is, again, just so petty, is ownership looking like, oh, my God, he's saying that we were terrible. Like, we did a horrible job the past three or four years. Well, they years. were terrible. And they were. But as yeah, an they, ownership, they, you have to own that. Like, that's yeah. not – and as a broadcaster, you have to be able to – speak with emotion, speak to, um, you just have to be able to say things as they are sometimes, whether it's good or bad. I mean, that's part of the job. You're reporting on the team. And if the team's not doing well, you kind of have to say they're not doing well. You can't be like, Oh my God, they're going to win the world series. It's like, you can't, you can't do that when the team's awful, but I don't know. Just baffles me. I mean, they were, you know, those the management was all part of that rebuild, right? They saw what happened. Yeah, they went through it. It takes time, and and here they are now, seventy-one and forty-four, only three games ahead in first place, which makes no sense. You're seventy-one and forty-four, and only three games, three games up. It's like it's crazy. It's like you can't look behind you because there's someone right there. It's yeah. Anyway, it just doesn't make sense, right? You've built this team up. You've added these very young talented players and moved on from some Baltimore greats. Think Adam Jones, right? 2014, he had a great year. And in the playoffs, he did awesome against Detroit. They lost to Kansas City that year, I think. And the what was it? The was it NLC ALCS or yeah. Yes. ALCS. Um so that's you know what? To have your best season 
since your trip to the, the conference series, the conference finals, right? <laughs> you you can't I don't I don't how can you complain about that? You, you can't. And he's just he's just telling the truth. He's just saying, hey, this we team bad, has not but been now good. We're good. <laughs> so that's why yeah. you should like be excited about this. Look at the difference that we've made, right? Yeah. Haven't won a series since 2017. You know what? We're three and two in Tropicana this year. <laughs> like, oh wow. Like yeah. in Tropic and and the team in Tropicana, the Rays, they're playing extremely well as well. It's like it doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense. Yeah. Um and for Baltimore, they're they've um rebuilt in a textbook way. I think mm-hmm. every other team in major league baseball right now that is currently going through a rebuild are looking at the Orioles and saying, what did they do? Because they did it right. And they're reaping the benefits of it right now. And I think there's even more talent on the way, which is crazy. I think they have nine prospects in the um, MLB.com's top hundred prospects. And they already have most of those guys up to the big leagues, yep. um, which is awesome for them. Just to tie a bow on the Orioles situation, um, I actually just saw a statement put out by Kevin Brown himself. I'm going to read it to you, the listeners. It says, Orioles fans, I'm a storyteller. Never want to be a part of the story. The most compelling story in baseball right now is the story of the league-leading Baltimore Orioles, the best, most exciting young team in the American League. Unfortunately, recent media reports have mischaracterized my relationships with my adopted hometown Orioles. The fact is that I have a wonderful relationship with the organization and our ownership and front office has fully supported me since 2019 when I first came aboard. I ask that everyone disregard the distracting noise of the past few days. I have worked closely with Orioles Senior Vice President Greg Bader for the past four years and John Angelos and I have a solid dialogue based on mutual respect. We are all good here in Birdland. I am proud to be an Oriole and call Baltimore home. And there is no place I'd, in baseball I'd rather be now and for the long haul. Go Orioles. So take that for what it is. And um, we wish the best to Kevin Brown. I feel terrible for him because I think in some ways, like people can just, if they don't dive into the context of the story and just see the headlines, that can be not necessarily like defamation, but his name got drugged through the mud a little bit just just because of this entire situation. And you feel bad for a good guy who's doing a really good job for an exciting young team um, to be put in this situation. But for the Orioles, hopefully everything resolves itself. But I just wanted to spend a few minutes shedding light on that entire situation. But now moving our intention, it's the middle of August. We are, I think, legitimately in playoff race time. Um, and for the American League, I'll just be honest. The um, the wild card race currently isn't like super exciting. The Baltimore Orioles are leading the East. Texas Rangers are leading the West. Minnesota Twins are winning the Central Division. And in terms of wild card spots, um, the only two teams, I guess, three teams that you could throw in there that are really battling it out are the Blue Jays, the Mariners, and the Red Sox. Yankees, if they have a really, really good stretch of two or three weeks, could sneak back in there. But the way that they've been playing um, this just entire season hasn't been great baseball, at least to the standards that New York fans are wanting. Um, so between the Blue Jays, Seattle, and Boston, 
um, two of those being American League East teams. They're going to be battling it out for the last spot. Houston and Tampa Bay have pretty much solidified themselves in those spots, and they're pretty much untouchables at this point. Um, The only thing I guess that could change is if the Rays get hot and overtake Baltimore or the Astros um, somehow take over the Rangers, and they're only a game and a half back. So um, definitely some stuff could flip. I think the more interesting story is the National League. Um, The Atlanta Braves, LA Dodgers, and Milwaukee Brewers are leading East-West in the Central Divisions. Um, The Philadelphia Phillies and the San Francisco Giants currently have the top two wildcard spots, and they're clear by almost three games. Um, The Miami Marlins currently are holding holding on to that last spot. They just took two out of three against the Reds this past weekend, so definitely a boost for them. The Chicago Cubs, Cincinnati Reds, Arizona Diamondbacks, and San Diego Padres are the four teams kind of hanging outside of that last wildcard spot. The Cubs and the Reds are currently tied half a game out, but the Cubs have a head-to-head advantage because they just completely killed the Reds last week at Wrigley. Um, And they currently own the season series against the Reds head-to-head. I believe this is probably a five-team race between Padres, the Diamondbacks, um, the Reds, Cubs, and the Marlins. Those are the five teams that I look out for towards the end of the season. And the I guess the kind of cool part about that is the Cubs and the Reds are both in the same division. The Diamondbacks and the Padres are both in the same division. And all of these three teams aren't too far out of first place. So, especially for the Reds and the Cubs, like if the Brewers have a bad week, there's someone else in first place. And that race has been tight all season. Uh, the Giants and the the Diamondbacks are a little bit further away from the Dodgers. The Dodgers have really uh, created some separation. And then no one is catching the Atlanta Braves in the National Did you League mention East. the Marlins? I did. Okay. So the Marlins are... Yeah. Yeah, the Marlins definitely aren't going to catch the Atlanta Braves. Um, they could catch the Phillies, but currently they're safe in the wild card. So yeah, I really think it's going to come down to the National League Central. Whatever happens in this division is going to really shake up who is in the wild card. Um, because if the Brewers fall out of first place and let's say the Cubs take over, the Brewers are going to be... Um, they might even overtake San Francisco as the second seed in the wild card. And then that would bump San Francisco down. And then all these other teams that are in the mix don't have a shot. So um, a lot could happen with a changing of the guard in the National League Central. And at least from the Reds' perspective, the Reds don't have to play the Brewers anymore, but they have one more series against the Cubs. Not sure how many more times the Cubs have to play the Brewers. But those games, there's going to be a lot on those games. Um, yeah. And the path, the next two or three weeks, I think, is really going to decide where people fall. So mm-hmm. it's not cutting time in Major League Baseball. I think two things I want to mention real quick. The Dodgers did sign the top Korean prospect or international prospect. Really? Korean pitcher. I don't want to even try to, <laughs> to say his name. Um, he's a good prospect. I, I might say something offensive. I'm going to be on. I, I don't like, I can't read that. So, um, 
Very good. Yeah, it's a very good prospect. Very good pitching prospect. I don't know how he's going to affect the organization. Um, if he's going to affect right away, come in and, and pitch here and there as a reliever. Or I, I just don't know. I don't know. But it's a good signing and big moves for the Dodgers. Um, I also wanted to mention real quick the Mariners. Beginning of July, we had no idea what direction the team was going in. I didn't think I'd be speaking on them even being in a position to make the playoffs. They had a very good July, especially post-All-Star break. And so far in August, they're 7-1. and one. They've won seven in a row. They're 9-1 in their last 10. They've won, what, four or five series in a row? They're playing extremely well right now. So that's a team that is getting hot at the right time, and they could really make a push. They're only three games back from the Astros. Right, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. I'm very excited about the Mariners, a team that made the playoffs last year, and a team that can make it this year if they keep playing the way they're playing right now. Yeah, the Mariners and the Orioles the past two seasons have kind of been the poster child, poster children, can't even speak of um, teams that have rebuilt and done things internally, but also going out and getting some players that have really resurged in the last few years. They've been the most fun stories in baseball, basically what I'm trying to say. Um, The Orioles did not make the postseason last year, but were close. The Mariners did, and winning that first um, wild card game was huge for them, and then they only a couple pitches away from beating the World Series, eventual World Series champion Houston Astros. Astros. Yeah. Um, the first game ended on that insane Jordan Alvarez walk-off home run. Um, but they were right there in all of those games. So uh-huh. the Mariners are definitely, if they, I mean, honestly, it's just like every sport. What Whatever team gets hot at the end of the season is a team that can really make some noise. The Phillies had no business being in the World Series last year, but they made it to the World Series because they got hot at the end. Um, so... For some of these teams, if your team's kind of hanging out there on the outskirts, um, there's still a lot that could happen. And uh, you've seen that, especially in the last two weeks. The Arizona Diamondbacks have been scuffling since the All-Star break. They're now under 500. they are now 57-58. and 58. The Reds just went 1-8 and eight in the past week and a half with their yeah. only win against the Marlins on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been really rough for them. Um, so... And the Padres have played a little bit better as of recent. The Cubs have have really kicked it into gear. They're finally their bats are finally all syncing up at the right time. And then the Marlins are they're tough. They have really good pitching. They're young. And then obviously Luis Arise is still hitting like three seventy. Embarrassing. Um and Jorge Soler's almost hit thirty bombs. They just picked up Josh Bell from the Guardians. David Robertson from the Mets is now their closer. He pitched against the Reds a couple times the past week and completely shut them down. Um, And just looking at their bullpen, they have a nice healthy mix of lefties and righties. They have three or four of each. And from a game that's been so heavily centric on matchups, especially from pitching and batting perspectives, like it's insane just watching a ton of baseball this year, how often teams will – change a pitcher with two outs in the inning or an out just because whatever batter is about to come up is terrible or not as good according to the stats against the opposite um, arm pitcher. And it happens more than you would think. 
And for the Marlins to have the flexibility to have multiple lefties and righties in their bullpen, huge advantage, especially coming down the stretch. And they're really good in tight yep. games, which is another big thing. Um, so with all that being said, um, National League is definitely the league to keep your eye on. Um, and especially the National League Central, whatever happens, then that division is going to have a domino effect on the rest of the wildcard teams. Um, but really excited to see it happen. This is the f- first time in a long time that the Reds have been in any semblance of playoff contention. So um, a very exciting time around the city here. And then, Matt, you will be down here for the end of the season. I will. We'll I'm be, gonna. I'm gonna continue to keep my eye on the AL Central. Though. Yeah, AL Central. I, I got. I gotta do it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, honestly, the AL Central, while it's not the greatest division in baseball, um, I mean, the Tigers don't. I mean, only seven games back. You just won three against against the Twins. Exactly. So, <laughs> so the Twins have a three and a half game lead over uh, the Guardians, who are currently fifty six and sixty. It's a very mediocre baseball, but just like the National League Central, if one team has a bad week, it's flipped on its head. So um, we'll see what happens in the American League Central. Whatever team makes the playoffs from this division, there's going to be zero wildcard teams. Their records aren't good enough, especially with the American League East and <laughs> the last place Yankees are 59 and 56. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Detroit could sneak in. Cleveland could I hate sneak it. in. I hate it so much because, like, every moment that I have when I, when I like, care about this team, they start losing, and I'm like, <laughs> all right, whatever. They're not going <laughs> to do anything this year, whatever. Yeah. And then when I say whatever, they go and win, like, you know, they, take a couple series, a and I'm looking up, and they're only seven or six or five games back. And I'm like, what is going on? Why are they still fighting? Yeah. All right? It's – I don't I don't get it. I I don't know. I'm not gonna care. I'm 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 going to keep my eye on it. I'm not gonna care that much because for some reason when I stop caring, they start playing well. So not gonna care all that much. All right. Well, um that's where we're gonna leave you for this episode. Um I wouldn't expect anything from the two of us until we move back into Xavier next week. Um a big move in week for the two of us. Um But anyways, we're probably going to come in the next few weeks with more football talk, especially before the season starts, and try to get to record in person again. I know. It's going to be And maybe with a camera. That'd be pretty cool. It would be. Um, Yeah. So all the the tricks are going to come back next week when we're in the same place. Um, But thank you guys for tuning in to the Quick Question Podcast. Um, if you want to reach out to us, uh, we you can find us on any social media platform at Quick Question Pod and also our email, quickquestionpod at gmail.com. Uh, love to hear from you guys. And we're going to, again, try to churn out as much content as possible. Um, and it'll be really beneficial to be in the same space and not five hours, four and a half hours apart. Um, yeah. But and look out for some upcoming posts. Um, we're going to try to nail on that. A lot better this year. That's yep. gonna be what I need to do. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna hit that nail on the head. Um once we get these preseason games done, you know, um what this week, uh we'll make a post uh, about maybe some reactions. I don't know. We'll see. Cool. We'll 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 spice some humor into it. 
Year two of the Quick Question podcast is going to be one that we want you guys to be a part of and very excited about it um, with even more stuff on the way. So thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Quick Question podcast. Hope you enjoyed it and have a great rest of your weekend.